Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Anybody excited to be in church today? Okay, now that wasn't good enough because there's, there's, there's people watching live online right now. So is anybody excited to be in church today? Come on. Now, not, that's not just for everybody in here. That's for everybody uh, checking us out online today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Hey, grab your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't know where uh, Ephesians is, here's the thing. If you don't know where something is in, in the Bible, the easiest thing is to go to what? The table of contents, right? And just look for the books of the Bible. And uh, so go there. Find the book of Ephesians, New Testament book. And uh, we're going to jump into chapter 4. Last week, uh, Miguel, the one that was baptizing people over here, he did an amazing job preaching last week. Come on. On humility. And I can't think of a greater person on our staff to preach on humility because he not only preached on it, he models it, he lives it. I know because I checked in with his wife. Where's Debbie at? Come on. Um, and so, uh, man, what a great message last week. And so uh, we're going to continue chapter 4 today, um, though, and we're going to pick it up in verse 7. And we're going to go down to about verse, I don't know, 14, 16, something like that. And uh, we're going to have fun today. Anybody want to have fun in church? That's not enough of you. Anybody want to have fun in church? All right, fantastic. Uh, here we are in the book of Ephesians. What is Ephesians all about? Uh, Paul is writing this letter uh, to the church at Ephesus, and he's writing it specifically to deal um, with the idea of the building of the church, the coming together of the church, because now what we have is we have Jews um, who were raised up in a certain culture and custom, um, having some ideas of the law and, and different things, uh, some knowledge of Christ that's coming. And then we have Gentiles, that's anyone that is not of the Jewish nation, now being added in. And the Bible talks about how God is going to create um, one new body, one new church, one new nation. And and he's now taking people from the Jews, he's taking the uh, people that are Gentiles, he's bringing them together and he's saying, hey, this is my people. And so the, the whole book is centered around this idea of bringing together these people groups, which is super cool because it's what God's still doing today. Amen? doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. Uh, man, Ernesto getting baptized today. Come on, coming in uh, to the kingdom of God. Such an awesome thing to celebrate. Um, it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. As you come in uh, to a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're being brought into this incredible thing called the church. And so we're going to pick it up uh, in, uh, in verse 7. Verse 7. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it reads... However, he has given to each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. In other words, man, something's been given to you because of the work of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd captive and gave gifts to his people. Now, if you want to learn more about that, take the doctrine class starting on Tuesday. Come on, somebody. Verse 9. Notice it says he ascended. This certainly means that Christ also descended to the lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. How cool is that verse right there? God's not just filling the earth. God's not just filling you. Come on, he's filling what? The entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, the prophets, evangelists, 
and the pastors and teachers. Now, this is known oftentimes as the five-fold ministry gift given to the church. Um, this is, uh, these are pastors, these are leaders of the church who are, are called to then equip the saints to instruct like we do on a Sunday morning uh, so that you would be encouraged to pick up a backpack, come on somebody, and fill it with those goods. Why? Because the Bible says that people will see our good works and they'll glorify our Father who is in heaven. And so God has given these, these, these people, these positions to those that would then help grow the church spiritually, grow the church in ministry. Verse 12, their, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then verse 14 breaks down kind of what maturity looks like. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every new teaching. Think about that for a moment in the culture we're living in. What's a, what's a sign and a measure of maturity as a believer? It, we won't be tossed around by every new teaching. Come on, are you with me? Every new blog post that comes out, every new social media post, every new book that's written, every new idea that comes about. We're not gonna be moved by that. That's a sign of maturity. We're, we're solid in our faith. Now, don't get mad at me. This is the Bible, all right? So if you wanna get mad at anybody, get mad at God. I'm just delivering the message. <laughs> Tossed about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. You need to highlight that one. In the culture we're living in right now, this one right here is prevalent. This one right here is happening right now. A new idea, a new, a new thought, uh, something added to the scripture or something taken away from the scripture or, or maybe does the scripture actually say that? Okay? But we're gonna be mature. We're not gonna be tricked by this. Here's what we're gonna do instead, verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Come on, somebody. Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Highlight that part, because we're gonna talk about that. He makes the whole body, what is the whole body? That's me, that's you, that's you, that's her, that's him, that's us. He's the one that makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Now, why does Paul need to say that? Well, we'd have to go back up here to verse seven, where it says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift. Each one of us is created unique in his likeness and in his image. Each one of us is wired differently. Each one of us has maybe di different interests, different likes, uh, different, different gift sets within the church. And so here's what happens. Too often times as individuals, because the way I'm wired, I see the world through that wiring. All right, has anybody ever met an engineer before? Okay. And, and you're wired a certain way, so you see the world a certain way. You see people a certain way. And here's what we believe, whether we realize it or not. We think everybody should see it the way we see it. We think everybody should do it the way we do it. We think everybody should perform the same way we perform. Now, when I say those things, you would sit back and say, that is, no, that's absurd. And yes, it is, but the reality is that's the way we think. 
That's the way we live. That's the way we are. Therefore, he says, look, Christ is the one that's building this thing, and he is the one that's putting everything together. There it is right here, verse 16. He makes the body fit together perfectly. Amen? He makes it fit together perfectly. As each part, listen to this now, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. If everybody was doing this, then we wouldn't all be growing. But because God has uniquely gifted us, uniquely designed us, uniquely called us, uniquely positioned us, guess what happens? When we allow ourselves to be put in his hands, he takes us, puts us together, and builds something beautiful. And as long as we stay in our lane and keep doing what God's called us to do and keep running with what God's gifted us in, guess what happens? Not only does the church go, we are building up the other parts. That's good preaching, pastor. Amen. This is the Bible. So that the whole body, listen to it now, it helps other parts grow. Here's the goal. So that the whole body, that's the church, so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Now that sound like an awesome church right there? One that's healthy, growing, and full of love. I want to talk to you in the next few moments about fit together. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that Lord, you would just speak to us. Um, that God, you would bring this passage home to us, it'd be so clear that we'd walk out of here, Lord, not trying to be somebody else, we'd walk out of here being the best version of the person you created us to be. God surrendered to you so that you could fit us together with other believers so that we could be a beautiful church that loves you and loves the world. Hallelujah. As we love other people in the world, they would come to see the beauty of who you are. So Lord, I pray you'd help me in the next few moments, create an environment for people to experience your son Jesus, know your incredible love, and understand the amazing plan that you have for their life in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Growing up, I, I like to play with these right here. Did anybody else play with these when they were growing up? Okay. How many of you guys still play with these? Come on. You got kids at home. Maybe you're playing with these. Maybe you don't have kids and you're still playing with them. That's totally fine. No one's judging, okay? But I like these, and, and uh, so not too long ago, this is actually belongs to my nephews, Jake and Cole. Um, we bought them for them because we liked them. I liked them so much when I was, when I was growing up. And what, what I love about them is this, is um, that there's all these different pieces in it so that you can make these beautiful structures as seen on the box, right? And so that's kind of the fun in it, right? Now, here's the thing. If every piece looked like this one, Right? What is this one? Now that's the foundation piece, right? Because it's flat at the bottom, so it sits flat, right? But if every piece looked like that, how, how, could, we, how could we build? We couldn't build, right? Like it would just, well, maybe for a little while until, you know, your wicked brother came over and knocked it all over. I had three of them growing up, right? No, if, if everything looked like that, you wouldn't be able to build the house that's on the box, you, you wouldn't get very far. But what makes, let's be honest, what makes this so attractional to kids is that you can actually build something. You can actually have fun because there's different, there's a round one, here's a little one because, hey, you know, if you don't know how to play with these, you put that there and then you, you have a little doorway, right? Where, if all you had was these, where would there be a door, where would there be a window? You wouldn't have one, all right? And, and so this box, these, these toys are so great because there's different pieces. 
Now, I don't remember these pieces when I was growing up. This is the roof. I think they made it easier for kids nowadays, but... There's all these different pieces, all these different shapes, all these different sizes. Why? So that you can build this beautiful house that's on this box. The thing that made this enjoyable growing up was that we could take the different pieces and create. And we could fit it together. And as we fit it together properly, you could build a beautiful structure. What Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 4 He is saying, guys, God is creating something. It's beautiful. What you need to understand, now remember who he's speaking to. He's speaking to Jews and Gentiles who were actually at odds with one another before God said, I'm going to bring you together and make one people group out of you. And so he's dealing with something in real time. And And here's the reality. He's still dealing with it today. And when the church is being built, he's saying, hey, look, not everybody looks the same. Not everybody has the same gifting. Not everybody has the same. But what happens is, is as we come together, listen, if you only hung out by yourself, that's it. If you only hung out with people that are just like you, that's it. But when you surrender to the working of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, he reaches into the box and he begins to put pieces together. He fits them together perfectly so that he can create something beautiful. And here's the thing. I feel like what we're up against in our culture is we want everybody to believe the same way, think the same way, act the same way, look the same way. Listen to me. I'm not talking about belief on Scripture. Our belief on Scripture is essential. Man, it is the Word of God. It is, it is, it is, it is divine. It is supernatural. It speaks on every matter of life. There is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, the life. That is essential as these are our are, are Lincoln logs. But within that, man, there are there is a beauty and a variety that when we surrender to him into his hands, rather than saying, I'm I, you know what, I want to go find some more, some more Lincoln logs that look like me. I want to. I want to. I want to go do this. I, uh, I. I don't feel like we're aligned. Well, no, you're not aligned because maybe two reasons. One, because you're only hanging out with people that look like you, or or gift sets that are like you, or because you're not allowing yourself to be in God's hands so He can turn it and fit it together. This is good preaching right here. Fit together. Paul writes about it again in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he uses these other terms. He says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different Come on, somebody. Many different parts. So I keep grabbing the same parts. Has many different parts. Not just one part. If the foot says, verse 15, if the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would it make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would we hear Or if the whole body were an ear, how would we smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. 
just where who wants it? He wants it. Not where I want it, not where Pastor Ben wants it, not where you want it, but where he wants it. See, the church is a spiritual thing. The church has a head, it's Christ. And he's the one that's building his church. That's why you have big churches, small churches, in between churches, growing churches. Christ is the one that decides. He's the one that puts them just where he wants it. Verse 19, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but one body. Amen, are you hearing that today? One body. I love what he talks about here in verse 13. Verse 13, he says, he wants us to be united in our faith as one body. He wants us to be united in our faith as one body. That's an understanding of scripture. That's an understanding that the body is unique. That's the understanding that not every, what I talked about earlier, that not everybody sees things or uh, does things the way I do them. Why? Because everybody's wired differently and gifted differently. And coming to this unity of the faith has this understanding of the unique parts of the body. Verses 13 and 14, he wants us to mature in our faith and our understanding. And then he says, here's what maturity looks like. Maturity looks like you are not tossed and driven by every new teaching. You are not tossed and driven by every new doctrine. You are not tossed and driven by every book you read, every blog you come across. You're not tossed and driven by that. That's what it's saying if we put it into modern text. No, those things don't distract me. They don't deter me. Why? Because I'm mature. How do you know if someone's mature? They can read that and not be swayed in their faith. How do you know someone's immature? When they read that, they are swayed in their faith. Now listen to me. That is not me saying that. That is the Bible saying that. This is the test of maturity. You know your faith is mature and grounded and true when you're not swayed by everything that comes your way, by everything that airs on the news. Come on, somebody. By everything you're reading on the internet. I'm not gonna be swayed by that. Why? Because I'm mature in my faith. Now listen to me. Too often times we, we, we base maturity on age. Um, I've met some really immature 30-year-olds. I've met some really mature 18-year-olds. Right, like, like you, they, they just they have they have a good head on their shoulders. They know how to how to make decisions. They know how to to deduct the truth. They know how to reason. Uh, they know how to navigate. And we would say that's that's maturity. But then I've met some thirty-year-olds that I'm like, yeah, you're having some basic challenges here. Like what you should have for lunch. <laughs> And what do we call that? We call that immaturity because they aren't able to do those things. Here's the thing. Uh, in, in the kingdom of God, maturity is not based on age. It's based on whether or not I'm swayed by every wind of doctrine. That's what the Bible says. So we want to be this mature, beautiful church fitting together. What does that look like? It says it right here in Scripture. We're going to give it to you and then we'll be done. What does is, what is a mature church look like? Number one, uh, we are healthy. We are healthy. That's what it says right here in Scripture, the last verse we read, verse 16. A mature church is healthy. 
What does it mean to be healthy? It means to have life, right? It means to have joy. It means that we were working together for the common good and the common goal. It means this. It means that when things don't seem to be working together, we can push the pause button and begin to investigate why things aren't working together. That's maturity. Immaturity, come on, how many of you guys uh, played games like at like Christmas time, families together, and you're going to play a game, a board game? Anybody out there? You ever do that? You should try it. It's a good family experience. You should, it's, it's fun, you know, right? Um, rather than just sitting in front of the television, you know, just like get out a board game, a new one that we picked up, Throw Throw Burrito. It's awesome. You get to chuck stuffed burritos at people's heads. It's wonderful, okay? Take out some aggression, whatever. But, you know, I remember playing a certain game called Monopoly. Come on, somebody. Everybody play Monopoly. Okay? Well, you know when you're playing, if there's a dispute, maturity talks about it and works it out. Immaturity takes the board and flips it. Come on, somebody. Now, some of you are clapping because you're like, yeah, that's right. Flip the board. No, I was kidding. Right? And it's like game over. Like, why, like, why did you do that? Because I'm mad. Well, why are you mad? Because I'm losing. No, you're mad because you're immature. Am I getting too real? Here's the thing. A mature person doesn't just take the whole thing and toss it out. The mature person, right? Here's what the mature person does. The mature person talks it out. Works it out. Are you with me? Healthy. A healthy person knows how to work things out. Listen to me. We have an immune system. Um, when we get sick, it doesn't mean that we're not healthy. If the immune system doesn't fight off the sickness, then we might not be healthy. But even perfectly healthy people get sick. But their immune system that God has given them fights it off. Okay, With, within the church, within the church, there are going to be issues because it's a body. He calls it a body. There's going to be problems. There's going to be things that arise. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be coronavirus. Are you a mask wearer or not a mask wearer? Are you an onliner or are you an in-personer? Are you just throwing it all out and saying, I don't care anymore? Listen, you know what a healthy person does? A healthy person says, look, here's what I'm doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's how we're moving forward. Right? It's, it's called a spiritual immune system. Come on, somebody. Even healthy churches have challenges. Amen. Healthy does not mean we're never sick. Healthy means we have an immune system that fights off the sickness when it comes. Here's a mature church. What does a mature church look like? It's healthy. It's healthy. Number two, verse 16, what does a healthy church look like? We're growing. That's what it says. It's healthy, it's growing. What does it mean by growing? It means growing spiritually, that, that I'm growing spiritually, that I would walk away today with a, a, a greater understanding of God's love for me, God's will for my life, God's will for, you know, my, my influence and where, where I have impact. I, I walk away with a greater understanding. I'm growing spiritually. My love for Jesus is growing. My love for others is growing. It's growing. So we're growing spiritually, but we're also growing in influence. 
right? It's healthy and it's growing in influence. Listen, we have the opportunity to impact 500 families with backpacks. Now, this is the cool part. Last week alone, 102 backpacks were picked up. Come on, somebody. If they do the math right, that's 398 more backpacks to go. Okay? Here's the great part. If you look at the list of things you have to buy, you could go to Costco, spend 40 bucks, and fill up like 10 backpacks. But yet the impact and the influence you have, because now we just impacted five. And here's what we've done. The Bible says they will see our good works. And they'll what? Come to church? No. And they'll what? Think that, that we're really cool? No. Although we are. They'll see our good works and they will glorify our Father who is in heaven. And isn't that the whole goal? We want to point people to Jesus. And so we're growing in influence. You have an opportunity to do that today. You have an opportunity by signing up for a small group to grow in influence. Because you don't know who else is going to be a part of that small group that needs to hear your story. I'm telling you, there's so many stories sitting around right now, right in this room. That, and, and, and online. There's so many stories. Have you just asked, hey, tell me your story. It's one of my favorite things to ask people. I want to know, what's, what's your story? Tell me. I want to hear. So you don't know when you sign up for that small group how your story is going to impact somebody else's influence. But it also means we're growing in size. People are being added. People are getting baptized. People are saying yes to Jesus. What's happening? He's building and fitting us together. It's growing. Lastly, what does a mature look like? Verse 16, we are full of love. It's healthy, it's growing. And it's full of love. Now, in the original language that the Bible is written in, there are three different types of love used. The greatest one used is this one, agape. And that is the actual word that is used right here. Agape is an unconditional love. Meaning it's not conditioned. Meaning that I don't love within the body because of what somebody does for me. I love within the body because my life is surrendered to him and now I'm wired completely different. So when there is a fitting together and maybe there's a little friction, do you know that there's going to be friction when you fit together with somebody else? I mean, come on, just look at your own marriage. Right? It's going to be a little friction. Things are going to be a little like, wait, what's happening? I don't understand that right now. But you know what? Here's what it's saying. It's agape, that we have love for one another. There's agape. It's, it's, it's healthy, it's growing, and full of agape. What is that? Why agape? Because it's unconditional. It doesn't matter if this part's performing or not. Uh, I'm just going to keep doing what God's telling me to do. I'm going to agape. It's not conditional. It's not, I, I'm not going to say, hey, listen, listen, you either do this or I'm, I'm not going to fit here. No, because he's building it. And we have Agape. He's the one that fits us together. It's this unconditional love. Now listen to me. Don't mistake joy and peace for love. <clears throat> I think sometimes we base our decision on a healthy and growing church on, on joy and peace. Look, I, I, man, I, I want joy. Anybody else want joy? I want peace. But we already talked about it. Sometimes, you know what? The immune system's got to kick in. It's healthy. It's growing and it's full of love. 
Now, now here's the thing. If you surrender to that, that love, and, and you walk in agape, that unconditional love, there'll eventually be joy and peace. But what we got to be full of is we got to be full of, of love. Hmm, this is really important. Love graciously helps people see their blind spots and compensates for them. Agape, agape love graciously helps people see their blind spots and compensate for them. What are blind spots? Y'all know what blind spots are? Driving, it's that place you gotta check, right? Here's the reality, each and every one of us has a blind spot. We all have them. If you don't believe you have them, that might be your blind spot. I don't have any blind spots. Well, there's your blind spot. <laughs> Believing you don't have any blind spots. We got a lot of work. <laughs> but you know, in the context of the church, and this is why the church is so powerful, because see, in the world, the world wants to air out all of your blind spots so everyone else can see it. Just go to social media. That's the world. The church does it differently. Because the church is full of agape. The church is full of love. And the church says, hey, I, I see a blind spot there, and I'm going to graciously in love point it out. But here's the thing. No matter how much you drive that car, that blind spot's always going to be there. So what do you do for the blind spot? You compensate for it. This mirror doesn't get it. That mirror doesn't get it. The only thing that's going to get it is that you compensate for it and you look. See, in the church, listen, our job is not to correct people's blind spots and get them to fix their blind spots. Our job in the church is to agape and cover for their blind spots. Because, see, this, this, this part of the house, the front of the house, will never see the back of the house. But as we work together as one body, and he fits us together uniquely, we're accomplishing something great. And we graciously cover the blind spots of others. That's agape. That's agape. So, so let me ask you this, then what, what keeps us from maturing this way? And all the band come up. You notice we've been like nailing like 60 minute services. I don't know if I'm happy with that or not. I grew up in old school Pentecostal church where it was like two and a half hours, break for lunch and come back for more. Come on, somebody. Break for some fish tacos. Come on. Yeah. What keeps us from maturing in this manner? As I was studying this week, I just started jotting down some things in my own life. These aren't particular to, to anyone. They're just particular to me. What has kept me uh, from maturing in this matter? Number one, hurt. I'm hurt by somebody. Anybody ever been hurt? You don't have to raise your hand. Just think about it. Hurt by somebody? Hurt by, hurt by you know, somebody in the church, maybe a pastor, maybe a leader, or just another, another, another Lincoln log? Yeah, I didn't like the way they got set on top of me as God was fitting us together. Got hurt. Well, how, how do we overcome that? Real simple, we express what we're going through. We talk about it. That's what health does. Says, hey, you know, I, I, and here's the thing, we assume the best about people, and so we just go and we talk about it. Hey, I don't think you meant to, but you know what, this, this happened and it kind of hurt. That's health. That's health. That's what healthy churches do. What's another one? Offense. 
offense. I'm, I'm offended at somebody or somebody's offended me. Anybody ever been there before? What do we do? Ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Let it go. What's another one? Misunderstandings. Anybody ever misunderstood somebody before? Yeah, and here again is why we do, because we're all wired a certain way. So we hear things through a certain filter, but we also communicate things through a certain filter. And so do we, what do we do with misunderstanding? We seek clarity. That's what healthy, growing, full of love churches do. There's a misunderstanding. Because here's the thing. If, we, if there's a misunderstanding and we don't seek out clarity, we begin to eventually build up a defense and we begin to label that person as, well, that's just who they are. And then what happens is it's no longer who they are, it's who that position is. So now it doesn't matter who's in that position, we automatically have an offense towards that individual in that position. Misunderstanding, what do we need to do? We need to seek out clarity. Number four, what keeps me from maturing in this matter? Blind spots. Blind spots. Talked about that already. Well, what, what do you do with a blind spot? Here's what you do with a blind spot. Be around others who love you and will share things in love. That's what's so powerful about a church, a body. You with me? Listen, if, 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 if I've hurt my ankle, I play basketball, if I sprain my ankle, I don't get mad at my ankle. I don't, I don't talk down to my ankle, be like, you're such a weak ankle. What's wrong with you? Stupid ankle. What do I do? I compensate. That's why, why you limp. I put pressure on, on something else until that's healed. That's how we work through things. We, we, we put ourselves as a body around other people that if we're injured a little bit, they, they, they compensate for it. Or if we have a blind spot, they, they compensate for it. Number five, what keeps us from maturing in this matter? Number five, uncertainty, fear. Like, I, I don't know. I'm just here kind of checking church out. I've never been to church before. I mean, you, you, you're talking about Lincoln Logs. And I haven't played with those since I was like eight. What's happening, right? I don't know, I don't know about this. I don't know if I fit together. I don't know if this is the place. I don't know if church is, that's okay. That is a great place to be in. But what do I do with that uncertainty? Here's what I do with it. I seek to overcome with God's help. God, if you're real, help me out with this one. Here's another one. These are just ones I've walked through. Number six, we don't know. We, don't, we just don't know. What do we do? Take more time to investigate and grow. Take more time to investigate and grow. Come back next Sunday. Check it out. Say, hey, pastor was way too happy today. Is he always that way? I'm gonna come back next week and find out. See if he's chucking things at somebody next week and then we'll. Take time. Take time. Lastly, number seven, what keeps us from maturing in this matter? Sin. 
sin in our life. Sin in our life, unconfessed sin. What do I do with that? I allow correction from the Holy Spirit and I allow correction from others to come in and help root sin out of my life. That's why the Bible says, confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed. First John 1, 9, confess your sins to him. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But it also talks about within the body, within the thing that's being fit together, to confess to one another so that you can be healed. Why? So you can have some accountability in your life. If we do this, we'll be healthy, we'll be growing, and we'll be full of love. I don't know about you, but that's a church that I wanna be a part of. God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, we thank you that your, your, your church is beautiful. God, your church is awesome. Do me a favor, just stand to your feet as we close out today. Online, come on, just lock in right now. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word feeds us, encourages us, strengthens us. Lord, we thank you. Lord God, for the man that got baptized today saying, hey, this is real. This is my church. This is my home. Here we go. God, I thank you for others that are making that confession unto salvation saying, I want to be a part. If a church is healthy, if a church is growing and a church is full of love, I want to be a part of that. I wanna be a part of that body. So Lord, I pray for every single one in this place today, Lord God, that no matter which piece we are, that God, we would just surrender into you so that you could fit us together and build something beautiful, build something vibrant, and build something strong. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. With every eye closed, every head bowed before you leave today, um, you're here and you would say, man, I need to surrender my heart to Jesus Christ. I've never done that before. I've never said yes to him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, we believe in our heart who Jesus said he is, but then with our mouth, we confess it. When we confess it, salvation happens. With every eye closed and every head bowed, you're here right now and you'd say, I need to ask Jesus into my life. Maybe you have before, but you've walked away trying to do it your own way, trying to fit the pieces together on your own. God's saying, uh-uh, come on back. On the count of three, if that's you, just shoot your hand in the air. I wanna pray for you right where you're at. One, come on, you know it's you. Two, three, shoot your hand in the air. There's one right over here, anybody else? Anybody else, you need to say yes to Jesus. You can put your hand down. Hey, for that one that raised their hand, let's say, that, let's say this prayer together. Come on. Just say, Jesus. Come on, everyone together, especially if you raise your hand. Say, Jesus, I love you, and I thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. I surrender my life to you, and I say, Lord, take these sins from my life. Come on, right now in this moment, you know what they are. Just come on, he's pointing them out. Just give them up to him right now. And then just say this, say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. And I say, be my Lord and be my savior. Holy Spirit, fill me, lead me, guide me, and direct me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.